Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to the School of Humanity podcast. This is Rachel Bullman with Jason Bullman. Hello. And this is episode 26. Amazing. Which is the exact age that I am. So this is perfect. Plus 10 years. Oh (laughs) my goodness. We're going to need to talk to somebody about annulment. Like, I think that's, I think that age uh, discrimination is probably one of the, one of the grounds of that. I'm pretty sure I'm 26. I've been 26 for years now, so. It is a good age. I would say at 26. I think we were dating when I was 26. Is that right? Yes. Wow, that looked, that looked super not positive. We're, We're going on nine years of marriage. We are going on nine years of marriage. Um, Yesterday was our nine-year like engagement anniversary. Correct. Yeah, July the fourth. Because they won't be listening to us on July the fourth. It'll be like July, like way past the fourth. Right. So, anyway, we also have back with us tonight Joanna Cower. Hello, everyone. (laughs) And Thomas Go Gators Lapointe. I'm sorry. Who was that? (laughs) I don't just just accept just accept the truth. I, I mean that, I don't know if that person is here. <laughs> Your mom said that he's here. <laughs> Everyone is so very confused by all of this. They're like I mean, why doesn't he like the gators? That's mostly where the confusion comes from. Mm-hmm. But also the your mom thing. It's yeah. probably throwing everybody off. But his I'll, mom's pretty great. Yeah, I'll have to get her caught up on it. You do. You yeah. do. She's going to probably be listening to this and being like, I love being a part of all of these podcasts. This is awesome. <laughs> I don't know any of you people. I mean, except me. She knows me. I did meet her once. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I saw a true. Snapchat of your dad. So, I mean, we're like so close now, I'm sure. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so tonight we are continuing the talk about femininity and masculinity that we've we began a few podcasts ago and we just can't stop talking about this um joanne and i were laughing once that we were pretty sure you could talk about this forever yeah it's true um and so tonight what we're planning on doing is really trying to zero in on the feminine genius right and then hopefully in the following zero in on the masculine genius and so um I wanted to share, before we dive right in, I wanted to share a quote with everyone and kind of get your opinions on it, mostly because I heard it today and it was pretty awe-inspiring. I want to hear what you think about it. So this is from a pretty swell guy. I say swell because I know Thomas understands swell. He's like the cat's pajamas. Um, (laughs) This guy is the bee's knees. He is the bee's (laughs) knees. The venerable Fulton J. Sheen. Love that guy. Yeah, he's pretty great. So he was quoted, of course, on one of his radio shows saying, to a great extent, the level of any civilization is the level of its womanhood. When a man loves a woman, he has to become worthy of her. The higher her virtue, the more noble her character, the more devoted she is to truth, justice, and goodness, the more a man has to aspire to to be worthy of her. The history of civilization could actually be written in terms of the level of its women. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> that's amazing. You've heard that already? Yeah. Oh, wow. I had never heard it before today, yeah. and I was just like, 
Well, I mean, if I had a mic, I would drop it. Yeah, then. that is a mic drop <laughs> quote. <laughs> he should. There's way more after this. Like he keeps talking about it. And I'm like, well, you could have just stopped. That would have been enough. But so, Joanna, you like that quote? Yes, I do. Um, I just find it so applicable now for our time because I guess the question is like, what is the level of our of women in society? Right. Like, what is the level of womanhood? So then, how does that translate to? What's going on? Right. And you would say that our, our probably our standard, because, you know, we don't, I think that when we talk about the level of womanhood or womanhood, we always, the naysayers will say, well, that depends on what your standard is. And I'm pretty sure our standard would be the Blessed Mother. Yes. Yeah. 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 So anyway, Thomas, what do you think about that quote? I love it. Uh, I love everything Fulton J. Sheen. <laughs> He's going to be a I'm saint. I'm pretty sure he said go Gators once too. So I, no, I I don't I don't know about that. Um, I'm making it a personal mission to be at Fulton J. Sheen's canonization. No oh, matter what amazing. I have to do, I don't know when it's going to be, where it will be. Probably in Peoria, Illinois, uh, if they can ever get his body back from. It'll be like your New York. Uh, your ordination, perhaps. And you're like, guys, it can't be there. <laughs> I've made it a life mission to. Uh, <laughs> Let's just wait until next year. I there just are a lot of ordinations <laughs> going on. I mean, if you, you just miss throw one, me in one, it's like it's like the train. Another one's going to be by in a few minutes. <laughs> you only get canonized once, though. All right, that's true. That's true. So, but yeah, so that quote was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Your Definitely. mom would totally agree with that Oh, quote. she would. For sure. <laughs> For sure. My mom grew up in New York, which is where a lot of Fulton J. Sheen's ministry was. His awesome. TV show was filmed there. I think they have a, the Fulton J. Sheen Institute or something like that. Why Foundation? Have I, never been I don't know. Have I don't know what there? I'm talking about. No, but I, I would actually really like to go. Um, great guy. Agreed. Love? Yeah, I mean, this. Uh, an amazing point I think so true and we see it like on every level you know you could see it in um, politics or in society you can see it in high school I mean you know how how a girl carries herself certainly will um, predict how men respond to her and you know the level of virtue which uh, they um, you know, um, aspire to. Um, and I think there's something particularly powerful about right. a woman who knows her self-worth and who knows her beauty, um, who uh, espouses virtue and modesty. And uh, right. there is particular things that a woman can bring um to uh, a situation, you know, a conflict or something that is especially powerful, that's particular to womanhood, I think. And um, and I, we were talking before the podcast, yeah. Joanna, um, about how men, um, you could almost say that there's a direct relationship between the level of virtue that a man, does, you know, um, strives for and... Um, the 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 woman's um, how much dignity she holds for herself, yeah. right? Weren't you, you saying know? that? <clears throat> well, we were talking about how 
if a woman is open in her receptivity to love and especially I think to God's love, God's heart, then the man that she will draw to her will like equal that desire, like equal her love for God and, and like the fire that she has for truth and justice. Um, I think it's one of those things that's just inherent in your soul, especially for women. So women have this beautiful capability of drawing out goodness in men just by the mere fact of being themselves. Right. Right. There's this quote that it's like unattributed, probably Mother Teresa. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I only say that because everybody attributes every quote to her. Or St. Francis, maybe. Right, or St. Francis, (laughs) right. Um, or Abe Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, especially the quotes about the internet yeah. somehow get attributed to Abe Lincoln. Exactly. But the um, quote is, if, like in a prayer, you know, Lord, may my heart be so close to yours that in order for my beloved to find me, he would have to seek your heart to yeah. find mine. Ooh, that's really yeah. good. That that's awesome? also one of my favorites. Yeah, wow. Abe Lincoln, he really... <laughs> He really knew the way really a woman's heart. <laughs> <laughs> and we truly apologize if you do know who that goes to, because we, we don't. So. No. Um, now, one of the documents that we, uh, all of us have read and, and are really pulling a lot from tonight, I'm sure, um, is Molieris Dignitatum. And... Uh, yeah, everybody should read that. Yes. Men and women alike. And so that's from JP2. It is an apostolic letter um, on the dignity and vocation of women. Um, and there's a quote, and I think this is going to lead in perfectly because uh, Jason has some really beautiful stuff to share with us about, just just from a philosophical standpoint. What are you looking for? Nothing. Uh, well, you're really not going to be able to find it. I'm really not going to be able to find it. Where is this nothing that I've been trying to find? Um, okay, go ahead, honey. I'll find it. Well, I I think the starting point, which we were going to start from, was just to... One thing that we've been trying to assert um, in our podcast so far was just that, you know, man and woman is the image and likeness of God, and so... Um, Masculine and feminine are two modes of being imago Dei, um, image and likeness of God. Um, It's not just corporal, right? It's not just our body, but it's actually, um, you know, a part of who we are in our inner being and our soul. Yeah, Um, our soul. Our souls have gender, if you will. Um, And so, and we see that... um, Men are generative, right? They are called to die to self, um, whereas women are particularly receptive. And, and so there's four attributes that Molieris Dignitatum um, speaks of when it uh, talks about what is particularly, what is this feminine genius that we're referring to? Um, and those four attributes are a woman's receptivity by nature, her sensitivity her generosity, and her maternity. Um, those four things are particular to, uh, you know, femininity. And so hopefully we can just hash out, you know, those four um, beautiful attributes of what it is to be woman, and, and um, a lot of fruit will come from that. 
Yeah, one of the things that um, in Moliere Signatatum, this is in paragraph 16, but he talks about um, drawing a lot from St. Paul, but he talks about the fact that the fact of being a man or a woman is no limitation on Imago Dei. You know, so just because you're a man or you're a woman doesn't lessen the image of God within you. Right. And then he goes on to say that this, um, the fact of being a man or woman involves no limitation here, just as the salvific and sanctifying action of the spirit in man is in no way limited by the fact that one is a Jew or a Greek, slave or free, according to the well-known words of St. Paul, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This unity does not cancel out diversity. Right. Which we've we were talking earlier that that yeah. also applies to the Trinity, exactly. That they are one in three persons. They are they are union as one, but they are yeah. for the sake of communion. Yeah, one es- one essence or substance in three persons, and right. they're distinct simply for the sake of communion. Right, um, is is kind of von Balthasar's famous assertion, which I think is perfect for gender as well. Um, if you speak of gender as ontological. Um, because they are, um, you know, perfect contrasts, if you will. Um, what uh, anything that contrasts, it presumes a prior unity. In other words, you can't. You know, how we say, um, well, that's like comparing apples to oranges. Um, so, an apple you can compare to another apple, but comparing it to an orange, there's less. Um, to compare because there's not a there's big less more base. right there's not yeah. a basic unity so what we're asserting here is that um, as imago day you know there is a, a unity um, but how you know that imago day expressed. is expressed is and what in what mode yeah is masculine and feminine um, and they're perfectly complementary uh, to one another and um, <clears throat> you could go so far as to say that salvation, um, now bear with me on this, okay. <laughs> so Christ is obviously male, and so he's generative, he pours himself out. But there had to have been a complementary female for this salvation who was perfectly receptive, right? right. And that's mm-hmm. the Blessed Virgin Mary, right. who is yeah. the church, right. you know, uh, and she is in the person of, of the church, if right. you will. So they so say sal- that she was the first right. member of the church, that with... With the final words on the cross, you know, when he right. offered um, Mary as the mother for all of us, right? That he offered her uh, as the first member of the church. That right. That's when it began. She was the one who perfectly said yes. You know, yes. her receptivity was absolutely perfect. So she was able to respond perfectly to the masculine self donation of Christ with her feminine receptivity, uh, which which is what brought about, number one, his incarnation. Because remember, God did not force her to say yes to, you know, his, uh, his son becoming incarnate. Um, and then even more so, or, you know, equally as important as her at the foot of the cross, perfectly receptive to her son being crucified. Uh, right. For the, yeah, her for receptivity the didn't, didn't change according to what situation. <clears throat> right. You know, and so we're gonna have some wine. I'm gonna be more receptive now right. than um, <laughs> right. other instances of his ministry. Um, so that would be my receptivity. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, which actually leads in perfectly to receptivity, right? 
Um, and, and, and John Paul II would assert that receptivity is kind of the foundation for all the other points that we're going to make tonight, is that um, woman being perfectly <clears throat> receptive to uh, God um, is kind of the foundation of her particular genius um, uh, as Imago Dei, as the mode of Imago Dei that is feminine, you know. So Thomas, Thomas found a um, awesome quote from Tim Tebow. I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. I just can't help it. It just it's flowing out of me tonight. Um, but you found a quote, not a quote, but you have a definition of yes. genius, which is very applicable. So did it have a picture of me next to it when you uh, looked up genius? No, it there didn't. was a different word that had your picture. <laughs> But not radio appropriate. We're Continue. not. Yes, uh, we're not going there. So uh, I was even wondering to myself. I said, "Self, <laughs> when I think of genius, I think of someone who's really smart." Right. And there's some application to Thank how you, we Thomas. use the word genius in when we talk about the masculine genius and the feminine genius. But uh, there are other definitions of the word, you know, genius as well. And I did want to share one of those. From dictionary.com. I believe this was like the fifth or the sixth definition, uh, which is why it, we don't think of it so much because it's so far down there. But it would be defined thusly distinctive character or spirit as of a nation, period, or language. So I'll read that again. Distinctive character or spirit, and those. As of, you know, that of a nation or a period or a language. I think we could say a gender as well, because each does have a distinctive character or spirit. And that is what we're trying to dial down here is, or dial in towards here is, what is the distinctive character of masculinity and femininity? Right. Right. And we were actually talking to you before um, the podcast. I keep wanting to say before the break. I don't yeah. know because I hear that in other places, but we haven't had a break. So before the podcast, we were discussing the fact that um, women, like when we say like women, women have receptivity, mm-hmm. that it's not that we're saying that men don't have receptivity, but that those things are particular gifts mm-hmm. found within the feminine right. nature right. Um, that that men have, but may be more difficult for them to to express. Does that make sense? Is that the yeah. best way to say that? Uh, yes. I think that's good. Um, okay. I don't know if I'd say, well. Yeah, I thought about the word I express there. Well, and I don't know if it's difficult. Um, it's more of like a specialization almost. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe they have a higher capacity uh, for that's, it. That's much better. Yeah. Fine. So. Um, it's like he and, and how we And how we love... <laughs> God, because we're all in in a f- sort of a feminine mode, if you will, in relation to God, um, in the fact that we have to be we're we first be receptive. receptive, yeah, because mm-hmm. He first loved us. So, um, but how we relate to God and and respond and all of that is somewhat different um, in terms of being male and female. And I don't think it's a it's obviously not a a coincidence that the, the Blessed Virgin Mary, a woman, um, right, was the sort of the epitome of of, um, well, how would you how would you guys how would you guys I guess express the moments of receptivity and the lack of receptivity maybe in your lives or in what you've seen through the saints or As things men? that have inspired you and in receptivity? 
as men and also Joanna as well in her in her current vocation of holiness. So, anybody? Um, for me, I mean, I think receptivity is uh, most manifested in prayer. Um, I think that needs to be a very foundational mode of receptivity and i think a lot of the spiritual life you know the the spiritual life really does flow from that um so you need that interior life in order to then go and you know be sacrificial as a man um yeah i want to build on that so i mean when you see women religious, you know, they since take they have like their wedding day, right? When mm-hmm. they take their vows and they're sort of espoused to Christ. But you don't see that in for brothers or for priests, you know, they're not espoused to Christ in that way. Um they're supposed to become Christ, you know. Right. Um mm-hmm. so in our prayer life, you you nailed it, Thomas. I think that where men struggle in particular in our prayer life, um, which is how we, on this earth, you know, um, enter into a love relationship, intimate relationship with God is an interior prayer. Um, We tend to want to, like, do it, you know, like, do something. Mm -hmm. We want to earn our way because we're doers, right? So um, what we end up doing is we try to uh, say particular prayers, make... uh, follow particular methods, um, Mm -hmm. say the rosary a certain amount of times, or, you know, take on these uh, different ways of um, praying, you know, the hours, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And so we get lost in the doing instead of first, you know, recognizing that this is a person that we are responding to in love. This kind of Jansenistic... I'm going to do it myself. Right. Earn my way. Right. You know, so I think that's a temptation and it's probably a temptation for women as well. But, um, I think women just more uh, instinctively understand prayer. Um, I could be wrong about that, but what do you think? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's the short answer. Um, but I think that that connection to prayer is as a result of the interior nature of, women and their souls right like i don't think it's it just is because women are better but it's kind of a way that god created like women exactly Exactly. it's more natural right yeah um, i would say and to your point that you were speaking about earlier about this need to do this and pray the rosary this way like i've had to deal with that too but where i found receptivity most in my life is in those moments where god is just saying, I love you, and please let me take care of you. Please let me love you. And that's scary, but it's also, that's where I feel most that God wants me to be receptive to his love. Right. Where he's pouring himself out, like in adoration or at church or in prayer. There's this, like, constant knowledge of I love you you are my beloved and to hear that as a woman is like for me it's scary it's like what (laughs) you're kidding right but then you realize like no this this is right and this is true and this is how God is choosing to love me and how like I'm gonna love him so 
there's there is a sense of vulnerability but that goes with your receptivity you need to have both like you need to be vulnerable because if not you're not really being receptive right yeah there there was this old um another quote kind of like footprints in the sand um <laughs> but just this uh, there was this uh, that was saying you know the the best example of of what it means to love would be to go to the beach and put some sand in your hand and that you can hold all of the sand if your hand is open. But as soon as you try to grasp the sand, like hold the sand as tight as you can, you'll lose part of it. Right. Because your hand, your, your sand is just not made to be held that yeah, way. That's a good one. For and that love is the same way. Yeah. And that receptivity yeah. is the same way. Yeah. And so um, when you're receptive, your hand is open. Right. And yeah. I was thinking about it earlier that especially, you know, as um, in my day to day life, I, I think that my ability to remain receptive would be just being able to be free in every moment, you know, and not not having to control everything, right. um, which is really difficult when my bosses are uh, eight weeks and three, four 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 and six years old they're you know I, I can't really let them do whatever they want right. um, but when I do try to grasp at it 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 definitely hinders my receptivity yeah. um, and so when I try to control something or try to take something instead of just allowing the will of God which the will of God for me would be to be free to be freely their mother to be freely your wife to be freely your friend. And so it's important to, for me to do that instead of trying to grasp at it. And I think right. that that actually applies in most human relationships, right? I mean, yeah. we all have these friends and people in our lives that try to grasp at our relationship and you can feel it almost smother yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's a big part of what you're alluding to is a big part of what we talk about in the school of humanity a lot, which is that you have to learn to be before you do, right? So right. you're, you're you know, receptivity is is your acknowledgement of being a beloved child of God. You know, it, right. you, you know, um, if you try to earn God's love by doing, which I think is a more of a temptation for men yeah. than women, mm -hmm. um, we identify with with our actions. You know, right. if we're called to die to ourselves, then you know how much we do it uh, it gives us our identity. No, actually, right. you know, first you're receptive. Yeah. And you love, and you, it's that falling in love with God, that surrender that then gives you the capacity to freely enter into that self emptying love with Christ as a man, uh, you know, and then your vocation is realized. But if you try to earn it, you know, um, or you identify with your actions, then you've missed the whole point and you'll end up far you know not very far in your spiritual life um whereas right. so we're all called in the beginning you know as children to be receptive to our identity as beloved and then from there men respond by becoming like christ and self-emptying women are like the blessed virgin mary accepting life you know and gen you know um um your openness, you know, uh, right. and sensitivity and maternity and all those things that make you woman, um, just beauty flows from that, you know. I um, think the challenge too, um, and you guys can tell me whether or not you experience this too, but with, is to be able to be 
uh, active, but also be receptive at the same yes. time. Yes. Um, yeah. One point which I would, and Jason was mentioning this uh, kind of towards the beginning of that last thought, and uh, even Christ, who embodies authentic masculinity, right. his primary identity is the Son of God. Right. So he is the Savior of the world and the Redeemer, and you know has come to reconcile us, and you know poured himself out in through the passion on the cross. But his primary identity is he is the Son of God. Right. This is good. Yeah. And as men, I think there's a lot that we can learn from that. Because, yes, you know, we, we are called to do these things, but more foundationally, we need to have that, that element of receptivity, too, first. Right. Um, and we Sharing see, in the divine sonship. Of, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being sons first. Exactly. Yeah. I imagine that Jesus would identify himself with the people that he loved in his relationships versus... Um, this is everything that I did. I am the miracle worker. I did this thing. Oh, like, of course. He would mm-hmm. just say, no, like, this is my child. <laughs> like, I am um, Mary's son. I am, like, Joseph's son. Right. Like, always in relation. Always mm-hmm. in relation. Yeah. But never pointed towards him, but focused on the relation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because that's where we get, you know... Uh, you know, something I was reading from JP too was speaking to that, like, um, like almost like Jesus's masculinity is dependent upon the femininity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Like, they're not one without the other. Like, they're always in relation, and so is God, mm-hmm. as we, as you were t- alluding to, Joanna. Which mm-hmm. I think there's something so humble about that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we're not meant to be islands, you know, like yeah. we're right. our, our gifts, everything, even our very being as masculine or feminine is only in relation to the other right. and meant for the other. Even our primary identity is in relationship to God. You know, we are beloved sons and daughters. Right. And that necessitates them there to be a father if we're going to be a son or a daughter. So any anytime we talk about human identity, if it's not directly related to relationship, then something's off with it. True. When we start talking about careers or so or That's things good. that we own, yeah. When you when you're identifying on something other than relationship, yeah, something yes. suspect. Yes. Very. That's awesome. Wow. That's why it drives me nuts when people say, well, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Like mm-hmm. alluding to like your career is who you are. You know? <laughs> right. Is it, just, is it really strange that my dad used to tell people he wanted to be a big red fire truck? Is that weird? <laughs> <laughs> is that I'm sorry. People can dream. People can dream. <laughs> Follow your heart. That, I, I'm going to have to bring that up at the next family dinner. That was very strange. Can we, can we talk about sensitivity now and generosity? We cannot, but we can end this podcast and promise them that we will talk about sensitivity and probably only sensitivity. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We will we'll try to dive into those next three. We're really glad that you guys stick this out with us and continue to listen. Um and we apologize for how much we cannot stop talking about <laughs> about uh, the Tim receptivity. Tebow. Yeah, Tim Tebow, he's pretty great. Um, <laughs> I wish you guys could see see Thomas right now because he's he's doing he's Tebowing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> is that a thing? That is a yeah. thing, like planking, Tebowing. Um, pretty soon it's going to be like with a baseball bat or something. But 
Anyway, we'll save that for a future podcast as well. We love you guys so much. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bullman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.